Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover Green Bay Packers and we don't cover anything else. Let's go. Alright, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, November 1st. We are into the month of November. Wow, two months of football gone, done and dusted just like that. That means we're pretty much halfway through this season. Just under, right? Assuming the Packers probably don't make the playoffs. This week sort of marks that halfway point. And that's pretty crazy when you think about it because it feels like just yesterday we were talking about week one and training camp and all of that. But we're now just coming up on the halfway point of the season, and we have a bunch of news to get to. The first big piece of news dropped yesterday right before the NFL trade deadline passed, and that is that Rasul Douglas was traded to the Buffalo Bills. Wow. The Packers don't tend to make a lot of moves at the trade deadline, but this one came as, I'm not going to say a shock, but a little bit of a surprise. Green Bay ends up sending a fifth and Rasul Douglas to the Buffalo Bills for a third round pick. Now, Rasul Douglas, he's under contract for both this year and next year. And look, I understand the move. Rasul, he's a veteran player who's been playing very well, which the Packers likely wanted to sell high on. And it saves money because, you know, he was earning a, a decent amount of money. But the big thing is, he's a veteran player, which means he's an awesome locker room leader. One of the best on the team, in fact. Certainly, that aspect is going to be poorly missed. And he's playing extremely well, meaning, sure, you can sell high on it, but he's providing a lot of value to your team. And I just think that it's a pretty tough loss, not just on the field, but off the field. And maybe the aesthetic of getting a third round pick is a little bit tough to stomach because we know how bad Goody's been with these third round picks. But in general, I think that you have to look at what it does to, first of all, that cornerback room, where now, I mean, there's an injured Jair, an injured Eric Stokes, and then who are your healthy cornerbacks? Carrington Valentine's your number one, Keyshawn Nixon's your number two, Corey Ballantyne, Robert Rochelle, like those are the cornerbacks for the Packers right now. So it obviously does a lot on the field, off the field. I mean, this is a guy that everyone was sort of coming to as this locker room presence. And now he's just gone. He's been taken away. Keyshawn Nixon talked about how much that hurts today. And I think that this move definitely hurts Green Bay's current team a lot. We'll talk a, a little bit more about this Rasul move in a second when I get to Brian Gutekunst speaking. I think that Goody made a decision here. He said that this move is going to be better or more beneficial for a future team than having Rasul and that fifth rounder is going to be for the current and future team. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty close. And I think you could you could go both ways on this. Overall, thanks for everything, Rasul. Justin, Goody called him a nice practice squad signing. I would say that was a pretty freaking epic practice squad signing way back in 2021. Rasul Douglas came in, like his first game had the awesome interception in the end zone against Arizona to seal the game. That was right before the whole COVID thing went down, then had back-to-back -back pick sixes against the Rams and Bears. 
provided so much joy over the years, such a fun, smart football player, a guy that went from, you know, relatively quiet in the locker room to this big, outspoken leader. I'm a massive fan of Russell Douglas. I'm a massive fan of everything that he's done in Green Bay. He's done nothing but go about things the right way, carry the G. Treat him well, Buffalo. They got a good they got a good one there. Um, another bit of news, more positive news, I would say. Rashawn Gary signed to an extension. Four years, 96 million back, extended 24 million AAV, average annual value. And Rashawn Gary is going to be on the Packers for at least another four years. He's probably the best Packer right now. He's a pick that Goody absolutely crushed. He and everyone has spoken to it. He's a top leader on this team. He's going to need to step up even more now with Rasul gone. He's a guy that has phenomenal, phenomenal work ethic, which you can see in him being back and healthy for week one after tearing his ACL in week eight. I'm so excited. So, so, so excited that we get to watch Rashawn Gary play for this team for another four years, if not more, because he's going to be 29 when the contract's up. So I think it's an awesome signing. Goody speaking today, he basically said all of that. He said Rashawn means so much to the Packers. He believes his best football, Rashawn's best football is still ahead of him. And they're excited to have him here for a long period of time. I'm excited to have Rashawn here for a long period of time. Now, I didn't ever expect really to lose him, but he was a free agent. You didn't totally know how things were going to play out. This takes care, of, takes care of things pretty freaking clearly. Rashawn Gary, he's going to be a Packer for the foreseeable future. Uh, last bit of news before we get into the injury report is that Brian Gutekunst talked today. So with the trade deadline passed, Brian Gutekunst talked and talked on a couple of things. First thing, the Russell Douglas trade. This was interesting. He said that he didn't really expect to sell anybody, but the Bills called, and in the end, he got to an offer that he thought was too good to pass up, which is essentially saying that Brian Gutekunst valued a third rounder plus some freed up salary cap space over you know, the next two years. He valued that third rounder plus this freed up cap salary cap space over... One, really one more meaningful year of Rasul because this season is basically lost at this point and a fifth round pick. And I get it. They're selling high. You know, I can see how Goody would uh, decide to make that decision. Rasul's been playing really well. So that's probably more value than they were going to get for him. Otherwise, just going to have to let him walk in free agency in a year if they uh, didn't sell him this year. But still not a massive fan of getting rid of Rasul. Other things Goody talked on, he talked on Jordan Love. Um, he said, basically, you know, Jordan's been up and down. He mentioned how Jordan's had slow starts, which obviously, but he also talked about his promising second half glimpses. He said he liked how Jordan has responded to adversity and led the team in general and essentially reiterated the sentiment of it just being hard to evaluate Jordan because of how the offensive group as a whole has played and how that group as a whole does have to play better. He said, quote, there's times he's doing a good job. Jordan is on certain things, but that may not show because the rest of the group is not. There's times the rest of the group is doing some good things and maybe he's not. It's about trying to get everything lined up together. He did say, quote, I hope not when asked whether he would need, you know, more than this season to figure out whether or not Jordan's going to be the guy in Green Bay. Did say that over the next 10 games, they're going to be, quote, important 10 games. So again, he said it's difficult to evaluate anything, but this is sort of going to be the home stretch for, for Jordan. I don't expect them to move on after this year, but you never know. Um, and, and, you know, these next 10 games, they're going to be big for Goody. One other quick thing I want to say on, on Jordan and his play so far was Donald Driver commented 
on Jordan's play. Obviously, the receiving yards leader for the Packers in you know their all-time history. So clearly, this guy knows football. He said that he believes Jordan Love is the future. And sort of what he said was when you you know, a lot of people want to do this thing where they're comparing Jordan's first year starting and Aaron's first year starting. And Donald pointed out one thing that not a lot of people are taking into account is the fact that Jordan's got a bunch of young receivers. Really, he's the most experienced guy on the offense, aside from like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And even A.J. Dillon has, you know, played the same number of years as Jordan, though Jordan started fewer. Um, Whereas Aaron Rodgers had, as Donald put it, the best receiving core in the NFL when he was out there starting. And that kind of shows you, you know, the difference and and why it's difficult to look at stat comparisons and say, oh yeah, I mean, Jordan is clearly worse than Aaron Rodgers because he's had worse results. It's tough to say. And Donald basically said, give him some time. Once he gets his feet wet, he's going to be it. Jordan's going to be the future in Green Bay. So I thought I thought that was worth pointing out. A couple other things that Brian Gutekunst said. First, on the offensive line, this was weird, or gaslighty, from Goody. He said, he's, first of all, the first thing he said was he thinks the offensive line has done a nice job. Which, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you're watching, Goody. They've pretty much sucked from a run-blocking standpoint. And I guess the only argument there is they've been, you know, nice, I guess, from a pass-pro standpoint. Which, sure, you can maybe kind of save yourself there, Goody, if you make the right arguments. But then he proceeded to compliment Rashid Walker for doing a nice job, which clearly even the coaches disagreed with that because they benched Rashid for Yash. And at that point, it's just like, we're just supposed to believe whatever Goody says here. Like, there's no way you're actually trying to tell us that Rashid did a nice job while he was in there. They benched him for Yash. Additionally, Goody said, as Steno said, Myers is playing the best he's played in his career. Awesome. Maybe that's true. Again, I could argue with that, but he's playing close to the best he's played in his career, but that's not saying anything. That's not necessarily good football. So, you know, Goody's comments on the offensive line, a little bit interesting. And then the last thing on the defense basically said the overall play, the overall consistency isn't there. Not too much to say there. So that's sort of what you had from the Goody presser. Moving on, moving on to the Rams game, really our first point of order, the injury report, Wednesday's injury report. Only five guys on the injury report for Green Bay. This is the first time that they have had fewer guys on the injury report than their opponent. So I'll run through it all, give you all the injuries on the Green Bay side of things. Jair Alexander limited with a back. Elton Jenkins limited with a knee. Aaron Jones limited with a hamstring. Luke Musgrave limited with his ankle. And then Yash Nyman limited with a foot. Pretty short, pretty sweet. On the Rams side of things, Kobe Durant limited with a shoulder. Ethan Evans limited with an ankle. Rob Havenstein did not participate with a calf. Ernest Jones did not participate with a knee. Hunter Long, full participant with a hamstring. Laryl Murchison limited with a knee. Puka Nakua limited with a knee. Matthew Stafford did not participate with a right thumb. Ben Skoranek, <coughs> still don't know how to pronounce. Ben Skoranek? Ben Skoranek? Ben Skoranek. It's definitely Ben Skoranek. Ben Skoranek, regardless, limited with an Achilles. And then Austin Jamel limited with a hip. That's what you have on the injury side of things. Finally, a decent injury report for Green Bay, right? Awesome news that everyone's limited. It's not too much to say, right? Jair's back. That's going to be hit and miss sort of from day to day. Wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't practice tomorrow. Wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't practice Friday. Wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play on Sunday. 
Also wouldn't be shocked if he practices Thursday, Friday, and plays on Sunday. We just don't know with Jair. On the Elton side of things, it's the knee clearly still coming back from a little bit there, but he looked awesome last game, so hopefully he's doing okay. Luke Musgrave, limited with the ankle. He played. Hopefully he's getting closer to full strength, and Yosh, limited with a foot. Sounds like he's on track to play on Sunday, which is awesome there. Last thing, Aaron Jones, limited with the hamstring. Hamstring clearly still lingering a little bit. The Packers, interestingly, practiced with pads today, which is something they haven't done. Matt mentioned on, I want to say Monday, something about mixing things up, you know, getting new things going, just trying to shake up the weekly routine a little bit because they've sucked with their current weekly routine. So they threw in practice for practice with pads on today on Wednesday Jones was in a non-contact injury jersey the red jersey which basically says like hey don't touch me it's not a sorry it's not an injury jersey it's just a non-contact jersey it's the same jersey the quarterbacks wear it says hey like guys don't hit me they were doing more physical drills they wanted to make sure Jones didn't get touched I mean Ben Sermons sort of said yeah it's just a precaution but something maybe a little bit to take note of there very rare that you see a non-quarterback in one of those red practice jerseys. All right, with uh, all the injury news out of the way, let's move on to this game, previewing the game. So, the Rams at Lambeau Field, 12 p.m. Lambeau time. Who are these teams? Well, it's two young teams, and funnily enough, they're both kind of paying the price for going all-in in prior seasons. The Packers' version of all-in was keeping around key veteran pieces from prior teams. So keeping around really all of their good players, Devontae, David, all of those guys, Aaron Rodgers, the biggest one, keeping those guys around and building towards the Super Bowl. LA's version of All In was they had a couple of, of pieces that they liked, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, but then they brought in a like, massive number of good players. Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, OBJ, right back when they won the Super Bowl. All of that. Now, I mean, the difference, of course, in the all-in between the two teams is, aside from their approach, the Rams actually won the Super Bowl. Packers only got close. Now, however, both teams are kind of in the same spot. They've had to ship off their good players. LA's been able to trade some of them. Green Bay kind of had to let a couple of them go, like Devontae, though they were able to trade off Aaron. And both teams are left with very, very young rosters. Now, both sort of teams were, or actually the Rams more so, were viewed going into the season as a team that was expected to suck. Because you looked at the team, Stafford was kind of a question with his injury, with his elbow injury, which was sort of the, the talk of the town in LA for, for a little bit. And teams kind of looked at that, looked at their line not being expected to play very well, and said, yeah, the Rams could really suck this year, be one of the worst teams in the NFL. But Stafford's come out. He's played like a top 10 quarterback. Their line playing much better than expected. They have the emergence of Puka Nakua, rookie wide receiver, and then Cooper Cups coming off the IR for them. They've been a lot better than expected. The Rams have. The Packers, on the other hand, people kind of looked at them, said this could be a middling team, right? They're going to have ups. They're going to have downs. Well, they've had a lot of downs. Their line and receivers have been significantly worse than expected. Goody, Goody said so himself. Uh, on the receivers. He basically said, I've expected better results. They haven't gotten those. Packers, as a result, they've been a worse team than expected. And now the two are kind of meeting in the middle. There are two teams that are pretty freaking close to each other, much closer than people expected going in. However, with, yes, LA's young roster, but not as young roster, I would expect them to win this game until Green Bay proves me wrong. Now, that is totally true except for the fact 
that LA's top 10 quarterback, Matthew Stafford, got hurt last week, injured his right thumb, did not participate in practice today, and it doesn't look like he's shaping up to play. And if that's the case, I'm going to tell you what, this Rams offense, which is, you know, had shades of being fun, it could be a disaster with a backup quarterback in there. The Packers offense has had the briefest of shades of being fun. Aside from that, has looked like a complete crap show. This general game, if Matthew Stafford doesn't play, which is looking kind of likely, could be just a, an offensive shit show of epic proportions, and it could get, honestly, extremely hard to watch. So, that's kind of where we're sitting, going to, into this game. It could, this could be a game that you want to just turn your TV off, because it, it's hard, it might be hard on your eyes. But with that sort of out of the way, let's jump into the offensive side of the ball, let's jump into the offensive keys. Now, I want to warn you here. It's tough to say for the offensive keys too much more for me than execute right now. Because the whole idea of these offensive and defensive keys segments is that I can dive into what the opponent does. And I can say, hey, look at this. LA loves to play a lot of zone coverage. LA loves to play a lot of too high. LA does this. LA does that. And then I can say, this is how Green Bay can exploit that. Or this is what Green Bay has on their side to counter that. The issue now, however, is that it's tough for me to say, you know, this is how Green Bay can counter what LA does, because to counter something, you have to be able to run a specific types of plays. And Green Bay can't run any type of play right now, let alone specific types of play. They can't run the most basic plays in the playbook. And so as I dive into the offensive keys, you might notice I'm not focusing too much on LA. I may be focusing a little bit more on Green Bay. Guess what? It's kind of because I can't. And at this point, we're left just reflecting a huge amount inward and looking at, you know, if this team were better, we could say this is what Green Bay does or needs to do to beat the other team. Right now, it's just what does Green Bay need to do to not beat themselves? And so my first offensive key, hold up in pass pro. The Green Bay Packers have sucked in run blocking and really any hope of establishing the run as an identity at this point, it's probably gone. That hope should be, you know, thrown out the window. I think Matt knows that. I think he knew that going into the Vikings game. And as a result, I think we're going to see a more pass-heavy approach. Going forward, they have, however, when compared to their run blocking, been slightly better in pass protection. So that is a positive. But against LA's front, they're going to need to be, like, not just you know, okay, not just decent, but they're going to need to be good because yes, LA's front has definitely fallen off a bit from the years where they had Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd, all those guys, but they still have Aaron Donald, right? Who I think you can make a pretty strong case is the best defensive player ever. So he's not going to be fun coming at you from the interior. And then they have a pretty fun rookie Byron Young on the edge. And against Dallas, the first drive when Dallas stalled a bit, now Dallas did go on to put up 40 points, but it happened because LA was able to get after Dak and be able to make plays with their front. And that means that Green Bay is really going to need to hold up because of Dallas, which is one of the better teams in the league right now, had trouble. Now, granted, they were able to, to come back, adjust a little bit after stalling a a tad at the beginning of the game and put up 40 points, Green Bay is going to need to have their front hold up. How? Well, kind of brings me back to what I said before when I jumped into the keys. Guys just have to play well. Elton, he played awesome last game. Let's see him go in there and jump back to his 2020 divisional round 
form where remember Elton Jenkins went into Lambeau and said, yeah, Aaron, you're getting all that hype right now. I'm going to shut you down. And he shut Aaron Donald down, just really owned him that entire game. That was where Aaron Donald started, you know, getting angry, throwing, throwing fists, choking Elton Jenkins because he was mad because Elton was shutting him down. Let's see that same thing. Elton Myers. Hey, back up Goody's statement today a little bit. Maybe go out there, show some of your pass protecting prowess. You and you and Runyon together doing what you do best pass protecting. Hey, not saying they do it well, but they do it better than run blocking. And you know, shut down Aaron Donald. On the edges, Josh Nyman, he's not the most incredible tackle in the world. Hopefully he gets in there, he's able to play, and he has some success. He's at least a positive upgrade in the passing game over Rashid Walker. And then Zach Tom, I don't even need, think I need to say much here. Just keep it up, man. He's so good. Zach Tom, I would do so many things to have an offensive line full of Zach Toms. Honestly, I think if you just cloned five Zach Toms because of how versatile he is and just stuck him along each position on the offensive line, the Packers would have a better offensive line. Honestly, I'm not sure there's too many teams that would have a better offensive line than if the Packers just had five Zach Toms up front. So Zach Tom, keep it up. If those guys, you know, Zach Tom plays well, Nyman comes in, has success in the past game, and Elton sort of comes back, dominates. Myers and Runyon play, you know, their game maybe a little bit better. Green is going to be able to hold up in pass pro and hopefully remain decent this week, be able to pass the football without getting Jordan Love killed. My second offensive key, it's time for the Packers receivers to bounce back. This Rams secondary is so unbelievably weak. They're top cornerbacks. Let me know if you've heard of these guys before. Kobe Durant, you probably heard his name on the injury report. Other than that, have you heard of him? Didn't think so. Darion Kendrick, Akella Witherspoon, it's not a strong group, right? CeeDee Lamb cooked that secondary last week. I'm ready for Green Bay's receivers to do the same. Now, I'm not thinking CD Lamb level production, but maybe, you know, when you put three of those guys together, four of those guys, Christian Watson, Dontavion Wicks, Romeo Dobbs, and Jaden Reed together, maybe you guys total CD's production. All of those guys need to step up. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about Christian Watson later. I have some things to say there. Wicks, Dobbs, Reed, let's make some catches. Guys, I can point to a play where every single one of them messed up. Dobbs, he had a drop on the sideline. That's about all Dobbs did wrong. Wicks had a brutal, brutal drop in the red zone. It was an RPO. Jordan pulled it. Perfect pass. Hit Wicks on the hands, and he dropped it. It led to a turnover on downs. Would have very easily been a touchdown for Wicks and uh, and led the Packers to, to pull within uh, one score. Alas, he dropped it. Totally, totally changed the game there. And then Jaden Reed. Jordan Love threw him an absolute dot up the sideline. Reed really had it in his hands, just kind of essentially let the defender, almost helped the defender wrestle it away from him. All of those guys, they need to come in. They need to bounce back. Wicks, he's always, he's so freaking open every play. Go, like, I click on the all 22 and I think, huh, Wicks is open. Huh, Wicks just sent that corner into a different dimension. He's open. Keep throwing it to him. Dobbs, Keep throwing it to him. And then Reed, Matt, maybe we come up with some more interesting ways to use Jaden Reed. This Rams secondary is weak. And man, if there's any time for you to take advantage of that and to have your young guys go and actually start making plays for your young quarterback, it's now. Now's the time to do that. And that's sort of the second key that I have in this game, in a game where I expect the Packers to pass quite a bit. On the defensive side of the ball, the first key, beat the Rams up front because the Rams are at their best when not only does their quarterback have time in the pocket, but he has a run game to assist him. And when you look at the games LA won this year, guess what? 
they won the games because they had success on the ground. They're putting up 100 yards, 150 yards. Now, on days where they've struggled, they've lost offensively, right? They do so because they struggle on the ground. And so for the Packers to have some defensive success, they're going to need to win up front. And interestingly, of all the things that sucked, they were able to, in the run game, win up front versus Minnesota. They played really awesome. Actually, they shut down Alexander Madison. I think you could really feel Devondre's presence. Felt like every time I was watching a run stuff, it was like, hey, looking at, the, looking at it from the end zone angle, Devondre Campbell right there filling in, stuffing a gap. He looked awesome. TJ Slayton, he played out of his mind. So much penetration TJ Slayton was getting. And then overall, I think they just got a lot of good push against Minnesota's offensive line. Now the key... It's to do it again, sort of as Goody talked about, consistency's lacking. That's a concern here. Can they carry the success over? Is Slayton going to come out and play great again, or does he kind of, you know, settle back down a little bit and not look as good? What about Devondre Campbell? It's Preston going to keep playing well. If Packers guys up front, Kenny, Slayton, Preston, Rashawn, all those guys play well, you're able to have some success against the run games, guess what? That's going to massively assist this defense in generally succeeding against the Rams' offensive attack, making them hopefully one-dimensional. And of course, that doesn't fix anything because they shut down Minnesota on the ground and still gave up 24 and what could have easily been 30 without two missed field goals. But in general, that's going to be a massive part of winning this game. My second key, stop Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. The Rams present a major threat in Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Now, if the Rams are without Stafford, that threat becomes a little less threatening, right? Because it's going to be tough for the Rams' backup quarterback to have the same connection with Nakua and especially Cup that Matthew Stafford has. However, when you look at the Packers' side of things, you really have to wonder how they're going to match up against Cup and Nakua. Because whatever they do, it's probably not going to work. Uh, let's say, let's say Jair is healthy, right? You're going to keep Jair on the outside because they've shown no willingness to move him inside. Okay, Jair's on the outside. One of Cup and Nakua might be on the outside. Maybe you match him up against Jair, but Jair's not going to move, right? Jair doesn't travel with the other teams, number one. So right now you have Jair on one of them 50% of the time and on none of them the other 50% of the time. So that means your second outside cornerback, Carrington Valentine, is going to be on either Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua. 50% of the time. That's not great. What's more scary, Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, he's going to be matched up against presumably one of them pretty much every time. So if you play man coverage, yeah, Keyshawn's going to be cooked every single day of the week. You're going to be eating, you're going to watch the Rams, basically watch the Rams, like African lions in the jungle feast on Keyshawn Nixon's toasted corpse as as Cooper Cup has him in hell. You want to run zone coverage, which I bet you Joe Barry does. Well, Cooper Cup's one of the best receivers in terms of really just knowing when to throttle down, sit in a zone, and make plays there. So what's what's the solution? Honestly, I think you can really only hope to contain the receivers. If Stafford's at QB, I hate to say it, playing soft zone honestly might be the best thing to do. Don't let, you know, Cooper Cup... Puka Nakua work in behind your your linebacker zones and in front of your safety zones and let Stafford hit that window for 20-yard passes every time. Say, hey man, you're going to have to take the five-yard passes if you want to move the ball against us. It's going to be infuriating, but that might have to be the approach Joe Barry takes. Now, if Stafford isn't at QB, which I guess is the hope at this point, 
Joe Barry can probably rely on zone coverage, more normal zone coverage, more consistently because he can he will be able to assume that the Rams backup quarterback isn't going to have the same chemistry with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua that Matthew Stafford does. That means that as long as the pass rush is somewhat capable, maybe you throw a blitz in here or there, he's not going to have the time to find those guys in zone coverage in the same way Matthew Stafford would. So that hopefully is how you can stop Cup and Nakua. Now, that's you know not a great way to stop them, right? Because sort of the, really the only solution I presented there was Matthew Stafford's out. That's how you stop them. If he's not out, it might be a long day for this secondary. I'm not going to lie to you, especially with Rasul gone. That's when I have on the defensive side of the ball. And that takes me to my players to watch. My first player to watch, Christian Watson. I'm back to defending Christian Watson. And Christian Watson, he broke out, right, last year. Everyone's so excited about Christian Watson. And then he goes in, and he doesn't have, you know, the best couple of games. What you see, then, on the internet is people giving Christian Watson so, 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 so much shit. Like, a ridiculous amount. And I hate it. And here's why. Because everyone's saying, you know, Christian Watson, he's a disappointment. He's regressed. He's, sta- he's taken a step back. Blah, 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 blah. And I really ask you, look at these plays. Has he really? Like, which plays are you pointing to to say he's taken a step back? Because let's look at the plays that people are angry at him for. There was one ball in the back of the end zone where he had two cornerbacks draped on him, was not open. Jordan decided to throw the ball because, hey, it was third and, you know, 20. What else is he going to do? The ball wasn't really that catchable. So there's no way you expected Christian Watson to make that play. That's not a play that any receiver is really going to make. There was another one. This one's more egregious. It hits him in the hands. It was a pretty standard jump ball. Christian was able to, you know, get use his frame to get in the way of two defenders, sort of split the two defenders, get up the ball. You can pretty clearly see hits him square in the hands, probably should be caught, and then it falls to the ground. Just drops right off his hands. That's a bad play. And then there was another play up the sideline in the end zone. It would have been an incredible catch if he'd made that catch. He was probably out of bounds. It would have been a tough catch. But my biggest point is. He's not the guy that's going to make those jump ball plays for you. And he's definitely not the guy that's going to do it super, super consistency. Super, super consistently. Let's look at last year. He played 14 games last year. I remember two, like, real contested hands catches that he made. Not, I'm not talking contested catches in he can use his frame to catch the ball, shield the ball, take a hit. Because he's very good at that. I talked about this at nauseum in my Christian Watson, you know, breakdown episode this past offseason. He's really good at making plays where he, you know, catches the ball and then absorbs a hit, takes the ball to the ground and holds on. And he's still good at that. Point point me to a play this year where he hasn't done that. But it's the it's the plays where it's a more or less pure jump ball where he has to just use his hands that he struggled with. He, again, had probably two of those plays last year. He had one versus Tennessee in the back of the end zone. That was a real legitimate dump, jump ball. 1v1 versus the corner. He went up. He won. He made the catch touchdown there was another one versus Detroit down the sideline which was an incredible catch he was getting interfered with made like a one-handed catch but he kind of used his body on that one too and let's just count that one just for the sake of argument that's two jump balls in 14 games that's one jump ball play every seven games but all of a sudden now people are going to be shocked that he doesn't make that play every single time he's not that receiver he's not Calvin Johnson he's he's a receiver that 
yeah, occasionally makes those play. Made one in seven games last year. Maybe you're hoping he makes one in four this year. He hasn't had that many opportunities this year. He's dropped, you know, three passes in the back of the end zone. You could say, yeah, he did drop or didn't really fight for another one against the Raiders. That was also a ball that Jordan really shouldn't have thrown. It's not his skill set to consistently go up and win those jump ball plays. These are not catchable targets that Christian Watson is getting. And so when you look at this and you criticize him, sure, you can say he he hasn't developed into the jump ball receiver that maybe I wanted him to. But, I mean, first of all, the only person that was ever putting, you know, expectations on him to be this incredible jump ball guy was you. And then second of all, Receivers don't get paid for being jump ball guys. They get paid for creating separation. And that's what Christian Watson does. My issue, however, is that his skill set this year hasn't been utilized. Because when you look at his route charts this year versus last, they're extremely different. Last year, after that Cowboys game, you look at the routes that the Packers had him running. It was so awesome. It was really a mixture of everything. You had him running crossers, drags, slants, dig routes, go routes, really every single route you can imagine moving from the left side of the formation to the right side of the formation. You're using him really like a legitimate number one receiver, getting him open in ways where you can just kind of get the ball in his hands on a quick little drag, let him turn up field, pick up 20 yards. This year, it's, you know, he's running 90% go routes, and then he runs a crossing route here or a short five yard out here or a dig route here, but nothing else. I mean, Matt, get your stuff together and use Christian Watson like you did last year. Put him on more crossers to use his speed. Don't just stick him on the outside and force him to run goal routes up the sideline to clear space for Romeo Dobbs in the middle of the field. Matt needs to start using Christian Watson the way that he did last year. That I, I, It's astounding to me that Matt actually looked at the film that we had last year and when the offense started succeeding and thought, yeah, well, maybe... That's okay, but Christian was out for the first three weeks of the year, and we really shouldn't go back to that. And he hasn't gone back to that. If he does, you start using Christian Watson in a more diversified approach, like we know he can be used because they did it last year. Now you're going to start seeing results. I fully believe that that's going to be instrumental to kickstarting this offense. So you're probably saying, well, thanks for the rant. What about Christian Watson in this game? I'm basically manifesting a big game from Christian Watson. Let's see him feast on a weak Rams secondary, maybe he connects on a deep ball or two with Jordan, have this offense find some explosives with Christian Watson, let's get him going, because I get it, I get it, you're unhappy because he dropped, I mean, really one pass that he should have caught, that's not his guy, that's really not his his play, and it's time for him to be used in a way that emphasizes his skill set, be used like the number one he is, don't be, this is not MBS, Right? This is not a guy that you just put on go routes, play after play after play after play. This is a guy that you have to use in more diversified ways if you want to fully take advantage of his skill set. And that was, that's what Matt needs to do. I know that was a long rant, but that's I'm, I, I cannot stand when I'm looking out here and I'm seeing these guys say, you know, cut bait with Christian Watson. Why? Because he dropped one pass that he probably should have caught? It's absurd. It's, it's patently absurd. My second player to watch on defense... Carrington Valentine. And this is interesting. Carrington Valentine's now a starter because Rasul's gone. So that means Carrington's your number two cornerback behind Jair with Stokes out, of course. And if Jair's back acts up, guess what? All of a sudden, Carrington's not the number two. He's the number one. And Carrington struggled in really his first NFL appearance against Denver. He 
you know, was getting picked on consistently, got beat a lot by Cortland Sutton. The hope is he's going to be starting in this game. He can come out, maybe play a little bit more physical through, I don't know, the defensive staff and Joe Barry allowing him to be more physical. You can start seeing him take advantage of the skill sets that he does have, play his brand of football. Maybe he goes out, has some success against really, really good Rams receivers. Now, it's definitely going to be tough, but that's kind of kind of what we have here. So should be a lot of fun to watch Carrington. Should be a lot of fun to watch Christian. Those are the two players to watch I have in this game. It's going to be fun. Can't wait for Sunday. I mean, honestly, I know the Packers are bad, but I just can't wait to go out there. And for some reason, I can't wait to go watch this offense and see, you know, what are they going to show me this time? Because I know they're probably going to show me the same old thing, but there's still that little glimmer of hope that they're going to show me something better. That's what I'm going to leave you with. As always, thank you so much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I'll be back on Sunday, but until then... Go Pack Go!